Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we are going to cover the Dolphins' preseason finale against the Jacksonville Jaguars as we get ready for the Los Angeles Chargers in a couple of weeks, but we're also going to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and wide receiver Tyreek Hill on the injury to wide receiver Daywood Davis and covered that in its entirety from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. No Caroline drop tonight. Didn't think it was appropriate. Um... A difficult end to that football game, obviously. Our thoughts are very much with Daywood Davis, and you'll hear from Coach here in just a moment that the good news is there was movement in his fingers and his toes and his his arms and legs, so it sounds like Daywood Davis uh, trending in the right direction. Best news possible as we'll hear from Coach here in just a moment. The game ends 31-18 after he was taken off, and just... A really, really difficult scene. Before we talk about the football game, let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on the rookie Dolphins wide receiver, Daywood Davis. Yeah, so the the um, word back um, was the the best news for our team on uh, Daywood. He's uh, he's got movement in his in his fingers and his toes, and that's uh, the most important thing. I thought, uh, you know, the the collection of um, the two NFL PA representatives, um, uh, Doug and myself, made the right call um, in that, uh, you know, the, the two teams agreed um, that football shouldn't be played anymore tonight. Um, uh, and and I, without a shadow of a doubt, I know that was the right call. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of the, the collective group for doing the right thing. And... Uh, um, our, our our guys are um, hurting but relieved. Coach was asked later on in the press conference to just kind of give us an insight into who Daywood Davis is, and I thought this was very powerful here from Coach Mike McDaniel. Uh, you know he he's a um he's a, a great. <clears throat> He's a, he's a great spirit, first and foremost. You know, he had a um, rookie show, or not, uh, not a rookie show, a um, in, in one of the offensive meetings uh, early on in camp. Um, he did, a, you know, a, a rookie event, and you could see the rest of the, and he, he kind of sang a little song and, he, and then told a story. And you could see the rest of the offense from that point on. Um, really, uh, you know, he's he's magnetic. He, he's got a cool personality to him, and um, and guys really saw that from then on. The receivers already knew it, but from then on, he um, was a guy that you know his teammates really root for. That tells you everything about um, a human being because you can't in a locker room of of individuals that spend so much time together, there's uh, there, there's no hiding your 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 the good things and the bad things. Your um, really who you are is really put out there, and um, he's a popular guy amongst our team because of how he works. He uh, and he, you know, it's been a, 
um, I had such a pleasure um, in his development process and was excited for um, a couple opportunities he was going to get. Um, but more than anything, um, you know, we're just uh, hoping for a full recovery and have had some good news and hope to have some um, even better news moving forward. Let's go ahead and hear from someone who spends every day in the meetings and practice with wide receiver Daywood Davis, someone who shares the receiver's room with him. Here's Tyreek Hill on what he knows about Daywood Davis, the person. Well, I, well, I can say this about Daywood. Um, each and every day, you know, he has the same, you know, attitude, same mindset, you know, and, and that's to get better and, and that's to um, help this team win games. You know, um, he's a full ball of energy, I can tell you that. You know, all fast guys are. So, um, I mean, I... I speak. I feel like I can speak for the whole room when I say, you know, all of us enjoy being around Daywood, and you know, this is just a situation that, you know, we we don't wish upon anybody in this league. So, it's not fun for the sport. Obviously, a very difficult situation for the team to deal with. There is that they board the plane back to South Florida, leaving Jacksonville to put a bow on the preseason. And look. This is the least of the worries, you know, regarding a situation like that, but not an easy topic to transition off of. But we're going to try here and talk about this football game because the Dolphins did finish up their preseason uh, one and two after a loss, thirty-one to eighteen against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, just to put a bow on that, again, the Daywood Davis report after the game was that he is moving extremities and uh, seems to be on the right path, as you heard from Coach McDaniel. And wide receiver Tyreek Hill that we also had it tweeted from our main account at Miami Dolphins on Twitter. So go check out all that uh, stuff for the good news there and, and wish Daywood Davis well there on social wherever you can find him and the team account too, please, if you, uh, if you guys don't mind. So for the football game, 31-18 uh, Jacksonville really got a lot of what they wanted in this game. 25 first downs to Miami's 21. They were three for six on third down compared to us going two for nine. Fourth down's wild in the preseason, man. We were three for three. They were one for one. The total yardage, not that big of a discrepancy, 413 to 348 in favor of the Jaguars. They did rush the ball for 130 yards on 26 rush attempts. We ran for 124 on 24 rush attempts. So the Dolphins' run game still clicking, still finding its rhythm. The big difference, the two turnovers for Miami there in that second quarter, back-to-back possessions ending up in interceptions. We'll touch on that here in a moment. Dolphins get two sacks, do not allow any sacks, and both teams committed five penalties in the game. And the Jags had the ball for 20. 26 minutes, Miami had it for about 25 and a half. And of course, that's not 60 minutes because the game was called before its conclusion on a hit to Daywood Davis, where the linebacker coming over on a slant caught Daywood across the face mask. And um, he went down pretty quickly and was was there on the field, lying still for quite a while. And the stretcher came out and all that stuff. So you guys saw the scene. Never fun. Never fun to be a part of that. But um, let's go ahead and talk about the game before that and, and get some football in here for you guys. I thought the game started off well for the offense before a bad snap, and the reason it started well was because the quarterback was sharp, right? That first throw that Tua, you know, threw on the little play-action pivot back to the strength where, you know, a lefty throwing to the right is a little bit easier than going left to left, and the way he put Tyreek into this advantageous run-after-catch situation after turning your back to the defense and flipping around, like, try to go do that in your backyard. Like, have your back turned towards your target Turn around as fast as you can and throw the ball and see how accurate you are doing that. It's not easy. Like, I, I know a lot of the quarterback position, we talk about, like, the arm strength and can they throw the ball 67 yards compared to a guy who throws it 63 yards, and that's what we care about. No, there's a little innocuous, you know, 
it's very little intricacies that go into the position that make for good quarterback play. And Tua just finds a way to excel in all those areas. Like there was that, that now screen he threw last week, catch the ball, get it out to your left. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league who can get it away from their strength better than he can. He got that ball out so fast. JT O'Sullivan on the quarterback school loved the way he got the ball out on that play after being pretty harsh about Tua's uh, first throw of that game. But really impressive there. Ball was out in Tyreek's hands so fast, and it all kind of happened in a blur. And going right behind the blitz, right? That's ideal. Throw that ball to a receiver like Tyreek Hill, who his man leaves him to blitz, and then you get the insane speed that... I thought he was going to score for a moment, but it winds up being a 31-yard play, 25 of those yards coming after the catch. And then we get a snap over the head of the quarterback. And listen, I know it's a very tangible-to-see result of a center position where maybe you don't understand what the center is doing on most plays, and that's one thing he can't do, right? But Coach did say after the game it was a non-negotiable, have to get it corrected, said that even after last week's bad snap, they've been spending more time out of the shotgun just making sure he's really cute on that because last year just didn't happen that much. I know you guys heard reports about it in training camp. I touched on that too. It was like five like five plays out of you know whatever, 500 or whatever it is. It just wasn't an issue. Like five bad snaps out of that many, it's going to happen sometimes, but it uh, can't happen in games. We all know that. Coach mentioned that. Uh, I know it was a storyline, but it wasn't a problem in season, and hopefully Connor Williams gets that thing sorted out here because he is a damn good center, and we should chill on the comments about replacing him or <laughs> just stop. Just please just stop. It's it's crazy. One of the top centers in the NFL last year, and then go back and watch that 42-yard run by Savon Achman. Tell me how you feel about Connor Williams after that play. He's a really good football player. That's where the next drive really got started after Tua found Chosen on a far hash throw to the outside against off coverage. You love to see that. That's what speed invites, right? We know we have plenty of that speed. It invites that off coverage. And really, you know, in terms of Tua showing off the sharpness, I did love the play design on that uh, fake inside give and the roll flat option where Tua could have ran it, Tua could have thrown to Alec Ingold. I like choosing to throw the ball to, the, to your ball carriers. Uh, I just like that entire play design a lot. It gives you lots of options to find a way to get the first down on fourth and one. Again, thought Tua managed this the two drives really well that he did have, although one drive got ended by a bad snap. But back to that Savon Ahmed run, the more I think about that run and what it means is how it could complement the passing game with those stretch runs to the outside and all the speed you have on the perimeter. It just really kind of puts defenses in a bind. And on that play, you got key blocks from Cedric Wilson, Durham Smythe, and Connor Williams. But it was Savon's speed that turned it from like a 10-yard run into a 42-yard rip, and he's had an obviously fantastic camp in preseason. Uh, But sticking with the offense in the first half, just kind of going chronologically here, he had three bad balls back-to-back-to-back from Skyler. The first one to Chosen, I thought, could have been picked off, probably should have been picked off, and he was late to not find him in that first window, and Chosen kind of had to sit down and just basically wait to get hit with a linebacker. That was right before the pick, and he missed that one high to Cedric Wilson that was picked off, where he had him wide open for a long time, waited till the last minute, happens too often, and then just has an out-and-out miss way over his head for an easy pick. And then the next drive, he never sees the Sam linebacker flash to the flat, and he throws it right to him. 
Really, really bad quarterback play there, but I love the way he bounced back and found River Craycraft a whole bunch on the ensuing possession, and Craycraft there shows you what he offers, doesn't he? All drive long. Good feet, good timing on the routes. He's where, he's always going to be where he's supposed to be, catches everything. Almost had that great two-point conversion reception where he kind of had his, fate, his foot taken out of bounds, but the throw that Skyler made against that free-running blitz to Craycraft I think was one of the best we've seen from Skyler, so a nice bounce back there after some horrendous quarterback play earlier, and four picks in uh, 40 preseason throws. For, for Thompson. Um, not a good exhibition year this year. And that was really it for the first half offensively. We'll talk about the offensive line and the rest of the group that stood out in the, in the individual evaluation segment. But defensively, you're, they're just, you're just not going to get a lot of exotic looks here from Coach Fangio uh, with his defense in an exhibition game. Not a whole lot of blitzing. I'll check on Pro Football Focus on that for the next podcast. And I thought Trevor Lawrence did a good job of getting the ball out to the short stuff while the defense was limiting the big play. And then you got the mistakes, you know, or, or, or a great play by our defense. Great fumble force there by the combination of Javon Holland and Jerome Baker. Javon did get the forced fumble on the stats sheet, but he and Baker both contributed to that. And then Javon covers it up, so that's cool to see. The next drive, we get to a third and six, and they miss a throw. Trevor Lawrence misses a throw, which, you know, some quarterbacks will will miss throws now and then. Most quarterbacks will, actually, and, and some will miss a lot of them. But they did convert on fourth down that they probably wouldn't have gone for in the regular season and eventually score a touchdown there. But, man, they got good push consistently against our interior defensive line without Wilkins and Sealer and Deshaun Hand out there. Lots of yards, lots of rushing yards, some flags, some inability to find the ball in coverage. Not the sharpest half uh, defensively there in the first half. And I think back to when Vic Fangio talked about how we had, you know, we have three guys as defensive tackle, right? Seeler, Wilkins, and Raekwon. This is a few weeks back before Deshaun Hand signed. Pretty clear what he's talking about there. You know, hence the Hand and Jamal Woods acquisitions, which make total sense. You know, a former Fangio guy there in Woods. I know we get infatuated by UDFAs making plays here and there, but you got to watch these guys on a down-by-down basis because for every splash play you might get from a D-tackle out there that's you know not one of those top three guys, there's four plays where they're getting washed down out of the play. I thought it was a really rough game for Josiah Bronson, rough game for Brandon Peely, and uh, you see why the Dolphins are making additions there on the interior defensive line. And the second half started off even worse than that. Cam Smith got hit on a double move for a long touchdown from C.J. Beathard to Tim Jones for 74 yards. I think maybe he was getting sick of all the underneath stuff, and they throw a double move at him and winds up cashing in for a long touchdown. Then we go back on offense and Skyler throws high to Craycraft again, but wouldn't you know it, he comes down and makes another great play, elevating high into the air for a chunk gain. Cedric Wilson had a couple of back-to-back plays there. What? A couple of back-to-back plays? He had back-to-back plays, one where he cleared space with, again, he looks so good on his releases against one-on-one coverage, which in this offense, he's going to get that all year long if, if he's out there. Uh, it's a slant-flat combination, and Miles Gaskin runs the flat on a fourth-and-one play for an easy conversion, easy throw and catch, and Wilson's inside release took that DB completely out of the play to give him that space. Then he caught one in stride on a nice ball from Skyler. was really good location, a little run after the catch that looked like Dallas Cedric to me, and I went back and checked my story from when we first signed Cedric Wilson about how how productive he was and how efficient he was. This dude was like top 15 in several categories just two years ago. So I'm wondering maybe year two can re-click kind of some of the offense into his mind and hopefully we get more of 2021 Cedric Wilson. And then on that same drive, Chris Brooks, what a player he is, huh? He slams one in from four yards out. How about his preseason? Three touchdowns. That power was who he was at BYU, man. Go watch his Cougars tape. He was really, really tough to bring down. That cuts the lead to 24-12, and the defense comes back out after a failed two-point conversion from uh, Thompson to Craycraft on an amazing catch that was not inbounds. But I found it interesting 
you know, going back to just kind of the game in general, how it was primarily run, 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 run with Tua in the game, and then you make the switch, and it's lots of pass, pass, pass. Because to me, like, you know what you have in Tua, right? A guy that has proof of concept, a guy that has played at a high level in this league, in the system. Let's keep pounding that run game and get that thing cranking and really have this dual faceted offense. And then when Skyler gets into the game, you know, last year, not so successful passing the football. Let's work on that. So uh, right after that, the Jaguars come back down, go right down the field for a touchdown, big gainers on double moves that gets Ethan Bonner peeking in the backfield. Then they take back the defensive back or take, take back the entire defense with, you know, washing out Aubrey Miller, Verone McKinley, Josiah Bronson, Brandon Peely all got washed or walled off textbook play by the Jaguars. But really that, you know, third, fourth string of the defense, you can kind of see uh, some of the, some of the shortcomings there. And they had to play early in the game and late because so many guys out for the defensive tackle rotation that made it 31, 12 with five minutes to play in the third quarter. I liked the run game in the next series, the combination of miles Gaskin and Chris Brooks, finding room and making plays there. Skyler had the scramble on fourth down to move the sticks in the red zone. And then Brooks finds the end zone once again for a second touchdown of the day. And the defense follows up with some good stuff. Randy Charlton wins inside for a sack. Jalen Twyman had a great retrace. And then Cam Smith got a pass breakup to get the defense off the field. Offense comes back out and has a couple of successful plays. I thought Eric Azukama had a really smooth looking catch. And then of course the play to Daywood Davis. And right there, the Dolphins and Jaguars decided to meet and end the game right there as it was. The player reps came out. Christian Wilkins for us. Uh, they talked to the league there as well and got the teams off the field. No one wanted to go back out and play after that, so that's how it ends. 31-18, Jacksonville takes it. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back and do my five takeaways from the game. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Five takeaways from the final exhibition game of 2023. The next time you see a Dolphins football game, the Chargers, 425 in the East at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. My first takeaway here is that a exhibition-style defense allowed some of the starters to show you what they can do individually, but ultimately gave Jacksonville really what they wanted. And look, you could not have played much more of a kind of off bland style, no exotic defense. And it emphasized early, at least the style of defense that keeps teams from hitting big plays, which is commonplace across the national football league right now. That of course opens the door for some mistakes and the Jags made them on the first two drives. One, a really good combination of both Baker and Holland finding the football, standing the guy up and raking at it and getting it out. And then Javon to fall on the ball. Just great effort and work down around the goal line to get the football out. We saw Jalen Phillips win with a great inside pass rush move that forced the right tackle to grip on and hang on for dear life to save his quarterback from a big hit. We saw Bradley Chubb come downhill and hit, get a big hit on the quarterback. We saw Cater Kohu have a really good rep on a play where they tried to throw a, a little dummy flat screen against him, and he honored that, but then got depth on the wheel to try to sneak in behind him and got right into phase and poked the ball out last second. They did have 168 yards on two drives, but I think you got the flashes from the key guys. And, you know, think about the absences you had in some spots. Look, the, the constant domination of their interior three versus our interior D line was so glaringly obvious. And those guys aren't going to play on Sunday. So it's, I mean, it's, it is what it is. But you, you need to have depth there, obviously. But we know what we're going to get in terms of having 94 and 92 out there 85% of the time. So I just, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Also didn't have Deshaun Hand, but... This was, you know, that based upon the fact that we also had almost identical looks defensively all night, like off covers, off coverage quarters, no real disguise. I allowed them to take the short stuff all night long and, and Lawrence hit it. And, you know, for, for, uh, 
Shoot, was it Gabbert's credit as well? Not Gabbert. Who was the backup quarterback? C.J. Beathard. Why am I saying Gabbert? He hit the he hit him as well too. He's been around the league for a while now. So we didn't really blitz all night. Not a lot of disguise. Just kind of ordinary defense. But some of the some of the guys you want to see stand out. I thought did number two. Savon continues to etch his name in the roster, and Chris Brooks makes his case as the commitment to the run continues. And we saw that commitment to the running game with Tua in the game. On that second drive, it goes Raheem for two, for three, for five, for one. And then after Raheem kind of, I guess, softens him up, Savon Achman hits him with the speed to the perimeter for 42 yards. Then we get two straight runs from goal to go. I would like to see a passing play there, but I digress. Sets up third and five, and then the mesh concept kind of gets caught in the middle as 201 of the rail route to the running back, that's covered. The mesh gets picked up, and they can't complete that pass. And Chosen drops one. It's got another drop here for us here in the preseason. Got to start catching those balls and putting them away. But the Savon, the, the Savon run was a great example of you know how this team blocks on the perimeter with receivers and tight ends. Smythe and Cedric Wilson, more on him in a minute. He had a really good block on the perimeter. Connor Williams did too, so that's kind of something to think about in terms of getting angry about your center, missing some snaps here and there. And then, of course, the speed and vision to hit it. He's done everything he could to put himself on the roster in a deep, competitive room. And speaking of a deep room, same with, you know, a possible uphill climb for UDFA, right? Chris Brooks was the odd man out coming into the year because no one knew who he was. But right now, gosh, he looks good. Stood up at the two-yard line, pushes the pile for two more yards for a four-yard touchdown, then comes back on the next drive and runs through tackles again, pushing piles, giving you some muscle in a room that largely specializes in speed and elusiveness. Chris Brooks is a guy that is very intriguing. Both he and Miles hit some big runs on that next drive where Miles showed you the patience and ability to stay downhill while he picks his way through. I think this roster across the board is going to have lots of guys that wind up in different teams. I think this running back room is going to put two guys, if not more, on other clubs across the National Football League. Brooks had runs of 9 and 13 yards on that drive to close out the third quarter. Just tons of intrigue in this running back room. Takeaway number three, it was underwhelming, but I really don't care. You know, really didn't make that catch. I don't know what the hell the refs were thinking there. He didn't catch it initially. He lost possession of the ball when he hit the ground as well. That was not a catch, which would have ended that drive. Uh, One bad snap shut down a unit that was driving the football at will. The Dolphins' first team offense. The idea of putting anything worthwhile on tape seemed like a real emphasis to me. And once we got into the second half, it just didn't really go our way. So not a fun game, but don't be like Joey Jets out there celebrating, you know, one drive that Aaron Rodgers had saying we're going to the Super Bowl. How amazing is our life? It's just this is preseason football, man. Let's chill and just uh who who really gives a damn? Number four takeaway, the defensive tackle depth needed some attention. And I think we got it with recent additions and hand and woods, maybe more, but uh, Bronson and Peely was, is a rough night for those two guys. They've had some, some flashes here and there, but I think you kind of saw tonight, a first team offense, what they can do when you get deep into your, uh, into your defensive line. That was just a struggle all night long. And then my fifth takeaway is that I think Mike White's the backup quarterback been saying that all along. I just can't deal with the timing and accuracy issues over and over again. The things I love about Tua are the reason why I get so frustrated by what Skylar's put on tape this preseason and last regular season. And look, I'm not one to bemoan the preseason, but for whatever reason, this year just kind of dragged a little bit. Maybe it's the hot takes after the exhibition games. Maybe it's the same from practice reports or whatever reason. Maybe it's you know the return of somebody to the beat that wasn't here last year. But we're two weeks from the Chargers, and that's a great thing. Let's go ahead and get to work on that. But first, before that, I want to tell you guys about some more individuals who I thought shined. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. A game recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast preseason 
game recap edition. Let's go ahead and talk about a few individuals I thought looked sharp in this game, a few that I thought struggled, and we'll go ahead and get out of here. Stay tuned on the other side of the outro, though. I want to play a segment from our post-game show with me, Seth, and Juice talking about the injury and talking about the anniversary of uh, someone very near and dear to our hearts passing away a year ago. We'll save that for the end of the show, but some evaluations here. Again, I thought Tua was sharp. The ball handling, the ball placement, there was you know no risk of turnover at any point. The fump, the snap over his head, he took another hit there. I don't love that, but like it's kind of a fluky situation. But all in all, he was accurate. He was on time, and he really navigated, I thought, the one bad pocket he had. So thought Tua had a good showing. Obviously, Savon Ahmed, the way he's able to press and find lanes and hit it with speed has been impressive. Tyreek Hill is on my list. Obviously, that catch and run. Anytime you see the, the off arm going crazy on Tyreek, you know he's cooking and making moves, and he obviously had a huge play on that one. I thought Isaiah Wynn had some good push at points, and Kendall Lamb as well on some of those Raheem Mostert runs, but I want to come back and check on the offensive line with the All-22. I thought Durham Smythe, the big block running out wide, had some good work in the running game. Cedric Wilson, really impressed by not just the block he had on the long Savon Ahmed run, but the way he's getting off the line of scrimmage, getting off press, getting into routes, showing his target to the quarterback, catching footballs. He just looks to me like old Cedric Wilson right now. River Craycraft, 5 for 52, had a fantastic game, caught everything. Just his timing and patience, the way he sets up his routes is all very precise. I like the catch that Braxton Berrios made. Continue to be impressed by the work he's done so far this preseason. The four guys on offense that on first observation that I thought had rough nights Obviously, Skylar Thompson, we talked about his game already. Chosen continues to have some drop issues. Cedric Abway, he had a really rough night off that right edge. We'll get more on, on the offensive line again in a future podcast. And then uh, Julian Hill had the one catch opportunity and dropped it. Just didn't want to see that. So those are the guys I thought had not so great nights. On defense, I mentioned Chubb and Phillips both getting into the defensive back or offensive backfield, I should say, with pressures and, and Phillips in one instance causing a holding call that um, cost the offense 10 yards. Jerome Baker, the big play down on the goal line to help Javon Holland get the strip. Those two guys both, I thought, showed out pretty well. Cater Kohu, the, he had a, a play that he blew up a screen, a, a block on a screen that he uh, went out there and, and blew up the blocker to allow a defensive back behind him to make a tackle. And that defensive back was Deshaun Elliott, who I thought was all over the field, played plenty of snaps, had some big hits, excited to watch him do his thing come the regular season. And then Perry Nickerson, I thought, the, the, the cornerback, who got flagged for the horse collar or face mask that I don't think was actually a horse collar or face mask, but he's playing aggressive and, and really kind of pops when you watch him out here on these tapes. Uh, defensively negatives, I mentioned Peely and Bronson had rough nights. I thought Duke Riley had a really rough night fitting the run, finding himself in some wrong positions and coverage. Noah Igbenogany, his inability to find the ball is infuriating because he's so damn talented, but just continues to have an issue in that particular area of the game. Cam Smith, obviously not a good look, taking the cheese on the double move where he got beat for a 74-yard touchdown. And then Ethan Bonner also got beat deep for that long play late in the game. So we'll have more evaluations on the Alt-22 review podcast for you guys. I believe on Monday is the plan with that. In the meantime, though, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and get to bed. It is late on a Sunday morning or Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever you want to call it. Go ahead and stay tuned after the show wraps for that segment with Seth and OJ talking about our fearless former leader, Jason Jenkins. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, review, follow on social, check out the Fish Tank, check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home. And then what I really thought was powerful 
was when they asked what he said to the team. And, and his biggest concern was that he wanted to make sure that the guys knew that there's no right way to feel. And I think that's important because we and, – and, and I'm going to – it's tough to make this connection, but it's just tough all the way around. Tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary, guys, where we lost our champion yep. in Jason Jenkins. Mm-hmm. At a pre, you know, preseason game, we sat there and had to call a preseason uh, – a postgame – and and we're just kind of in, in utter shock and disbelief and, and all kinds of hurt and really didn't know how to handle it. And and the same thing could be said. There was no right way to feel. Um, so I thought that was uh, powerful and profound by the coach to tell his roster that there's no way, right way to feel. Whatever you're feeling right now, you're not wrong. It's okay. We're here for you. Just, you know, go home and tell your loved ones that you love them. Lean on your teammates. And and I uh, it it's just wild to me that that comes at almost one year yeah. to the day um, that we were feeling similarly for a much different reason. Thankfully, it looks like David Davis is going to be okay. And and um, uh, you know that wasn't the case a year ago. But uh, there was no right way to feel. And he was emotional, and he let all that out there. So very different press conference for Coach McDaniel, but I, I think it was the one that makes you proud that that's the man leading the team if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. He he showed the same emotion last year when he was asked about Jason, and he only had a brief amount of time to yeah. meet Jason, and he just yeah. kind of spoke to the impact that Jason had on every single person he came across, which seems to be the entire you know region of South Florida uh, at the rate that he was going. But really good stuff, Seth. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I want to go to the player perspective here with Juice because – like Seth said, you just don't get that in that profession. Like even watching him get emotional, I'm thinking, you know, most coaches probably go to the podium and they, they say a few nice words, but you're not going to get, you know, the emotions on the sleeve as a player. How does it make you feel? Yeah. You know what? I mean, Seth said it best. I mean, he definitely said it best right there. Just reflecting on, you know, how he talked about Jason Jenkins after a short meeting with Jason, just knowing him for a short period of time. And then, um, you know, and then, how he has, you know, a genuine, he genuinely cares about the people in that building, man. You know, there are some coaches, I, I know there are coaches that that genuinely don't. They don't, you know. David Davis is a name that a lot of people didn't even, probably didn't even know. And, um, you know, until tonight, we know, because that's what we, you know, that's what we do with the team. We follow the team that way. But for coach to, you know, let us know how, you know, how his teammates feel about him, you know, from a little a rookie, you know, entertainment that he did and brought the whole and how the, how the, you know, all those guys feel about him. He, he let us know even more about David Davis and how people feel about him. You know, Coach McDaniel is a guy that honestly, in my opinion, seems like he has a personal relationship with all his players and his staff and the people in that building. And a lot of times it doesn't happen that way, you know. And I'm going to tell you, guys like that are guys you want to play for. Those are the guys you want to play for. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, when he's got to make tough decisions about guys that are even dressing out or that he's got to let go or release, I, I'm sure they're heartfelt conversations. They're not just, you know, the way some other coaches would handle it, man. So you talk about a man and, and Coach Mike McDaniel that is you know, a young guy in, in the game, but, man, is he, he's, got a, he's got some old wisdom with him when it comes to handling people, man. It's, uh, it's kind of refreshing for somebody in this position. It reminds me of the the comment, I think it was two weeks ago, that he wants to put 90 guys into the league. And that's not him talking about just wanting to be the best head coach 
you know, imaginable who can put a, a roster of 90 guys in the NFL. It's it's him wanting to do right by all those guys. And just a quick story here before we go to break. Uh, I told you guys this, you know, before the injury happened that David would, uh, we were watching the game, that they did a, se- a little segment at the very end of the last training camp practice where they went one-on-ones and had the entire team gather around to watch. And the very last rep was Daywood Davis as a cornerback facing Cater Kohu as a wide receiver. And Cater got him off the line. He beat him off the line, but Daywood got back into position and the, the ball went incomplete and the offense mobbed him. So that speaks to what Coach was talking about with the, the spirit and the kind of connection he had to the guys with the personality and uh, just cool to hear him kind of, you know, reference that and talk about how the team cared about him. And hopefully Daywood's doing OK now as we saw him uh, moving extremities and looks like he's going to be OK, like Seth said. So rough night uh, on, and again on a weird you know anniversary of a very tough night a year ago. But we're going to do our best to uh, to go on here and talk more Dolphins football. And we'll go ahead and take a break here and come back soon. On the other side, we'll hear from Tua Tungavailoa and break down some more Dolphins football on Dolphins Post Game Live. <laughs> 